morning. morning. Welcome this morning. Kind of sad to interrupt that, but uh, we're glad you could all be here this crisp, cool morning. And for those of you that came and seen Dr. Agama's presentation this morning, um, it's good to see that it's a lot bigger than just a small little clinic. He's growing a great mission over there, a great service to that area. Um, and it's great to, for you to come and, and tell us about that. Thank you. Um, also, Sharon would like to come up and say something. I couldn't see. There you go. Just a quick thank you to everybody that helped make the brunch up great morning last week um, and thank you for your prayers that they encouraged those that attended so a quick thank you there were 96 present and 13 of those were the madrigal singers and they did a great job to start it to start off the morning uh, thank you to my committee Elaine Alice Florence Cabe and Hillary George um, thank you to all that attended and brought food it's kind of scary. The last minute is there going to be enough? Oh. <laughs> anyway, there always is. I don't know why I worry about it. But um, um, to Ellen Yergler for being the MC, did a great job. Uh, Brooke Ellen was our speaker last last Saturday. A real inspiring message. She is a gal from East Lynn area. Uh, Olivia, Annalise, and Jennifer Hall gave us uh, beautiful songs at near the end of the program. To Doug for setting up the sound system, to the men that set up the tables, to John and Tessa and Will for taking them all down. Tessa didn't help. <laughs> Tessa, Tessa didn't help? Okay, well she did, said she did anyway. <laughs> um, I'm sorry men, but the husband of the year prize again goes to Larry. So, <laughs> anyway. Uh, it couldn't be a a success without so many help. It's a great church to be a part of, and I thank all of you. I guess uh, Tessa did help a little bit. She was telling us what to do. <laughs> so she's a, she's a great organizer. I'm not trying to get anybody to recruit her, but. So we'll continue with a few more announcements. Uh, mission board meeting tomorrow at 1.30 for anyone that wants to uh, see how they do things. Uh, we are partnering with Grace Bible Church and the school to provide Christmas gifts for local kids. The ornaments or tags on the tree um, are available. Um, wrapped gifts are requested to be returned by Sunday the 17th. If you would like to participate and do not like to shop, uh, donations will be accepted. Please make your checks uh, payable to Grace Bible Church, and they will do the shopping for you to fill any need that hasn't already been filled. Also, we will be celebrating Christmas on Sunday, December 24th at 1030. There will be no Sunday school that day, but nursery will be provided. Um, Josh and Carrie's uh, new address is listed here in the bulletin. If you want to send them a note, they've got a finally got it uh, settled in it seems out there so if you want to send them a note their address is in the bulletin are there any other announcements that aren't in the bulletin Doug prayer meeting tonight, prayer meeting tonight. Uh, we're gonna go over the budget budget hearing tonight as well Doug yes. yeah okay that'll be at 6 p.m. yes are there any prayer requests that aren't already listed Okay, uh, an update on Rose Eisman. Um, it is a cancerous 
brain tumor and they're going to try to remove it on Thursday. So please be in prayer for her, uh, for the doctors, um, that uh, the Lord guides their hands. So please be in prayer for her. Edna. That's great. Uh, it's a praise for Edna's sister Judy. She's improved. She's able to get around on her own. So continue to pray for her and continued improvements. Amen. Good job, Lily. That was beautiful. Thank you for playing that this morning. It's one thing to practice a song like that by yourself at a piano. It's another thing to get up in front of a bunch of scary people like you all and play. So you did a fantastic job. That was, that was wonderful. Good job. Silent Night. That's one of my favorite Christmas hymns. But let's take our hymn book, if you need the hymn book, or, or rather if you don't, just stand with us this morning. Those words will be on the screen as we begin our song service one 75, 175 in the hymnal, O come all ye faithful, joyful, and triumphant. Let's sing together, 175, O come all ye faithful. O come all ye faithful, joyful and triumphant, O Oh, sing. 
179 is another very uh, well-known Christmas song. What child is this who laid to rest on Mary's lap is sleeping? Let's sing this out, all three verses, 179. What child is this? What child is this who laid to rest on Mary's lap is sleeping? Shepherds watch our keeping. This, this is Christ the King, whom shepherds guard and angels see. Haste, haste to bring him, Lord, the babe, the Son. sing one more, but I love that song, and I love that verse that says, come peasant or king to own him, and it reminded me of Sunday school this morning with our, uh, the doctor who spoke to us there. What a blessing that was this morning, and we appreciate that, 
and how the Lord, the invitation to Christ is open for all and for any. Let's sing one more, O Little Town of Bethlehem. We love that song at Christmas time, 169. We'll just sing three verses of this one this morning, 169, O Little Town of Bethlehem. Thank you, and please be seated. My name is Gabriel, and I have a lot to tell. So take a special trip with me back through time and centuries. The story we have for you is about the first Christmas. Now, before you start thinking shepherds and wise men, I need to tell you that this Christmas story is one you have never heard before. That's because we're going to step back in time. Time before the shepherds, before the wise men, before the manger, and even before my visit to Mary. We're going to step back all the way to when the angels found out about the birth of Jesus. After all, that's when Christmas really began. The first thing I need to do is introduce you to the main characters in this little history lesson. First, there is Michael. He is the archangel. Now there is only one archangel in heaven, and in case you haven't guessed, that means he's pretty important. In fact, next to God, he's the head honcho around here. And he has called a meeting. Could it be new halos? New wings? When you live in heaven, it could be most anything. Thank you all for coming today. I have a very important announcement to make. Next, we have Sarah. <clears throat> She's the head of the seraphims and a bit of a know-it-all, I'm afraid. <laughs> the seraphims came as soon as we got your message, Michael. Splendid, Sarah. You also need to know who Cherry is. She's the head of the cherubims and a real angel. Michael, we're so honored that you included us. Well, of course you included. I wanted all my angels here. 
And next, there's a good old Herald. He's in charge of the Herald Angels. Or shall we say the Herald and Angels are in charge of Herald. Harold, I'm glad you could be here. Thanks, Michael. Why did you say you called us here? He has a very important announcement to make. Oh, that's right. Glad to be here. And last but not least, there are Moses and Isaiah. They head up the delegation of the major and minor prophets. It's a beautiful day for a meeting, isn't it, Michael? Too many clouds for me. Yes, Isaiah, it is a beautiful day for a meeting. Well, it looks like Michael is ready to tell us why we have all been called. So, let's hear. <laughs> yes, my fellow angels, we have a problem. We have trouble, eye trouble. Everybody's looking out for number one, me, myself, and I. Nobody cares about his fellow man. Now the great commandment is simple indeed, love your neighbor as yourself. But everybody is so filled with greed that Lord, we need your help. Don't tell me about eye trouble. What do you mean, Moses? I spent 40 years in the boonies with those self-centered wilderness wanderers. Oh yes, I remember your problems. I recall you and the children of Israel never did see eye to eye. It was so bad. The Lord had to come down to earth just to get their attention. He came down and gave the Ten Commandments. Well, the commandments were perfect, but man surely wasn't. You better believe it. After all the trouble the Lord went through to show man how to live close to him, they still kept worshiping other gods making graven images, taking the Lord's name in vain, working on the Sabbath, and... Calm down, Moses. Calm down. It is bad news for all of us prophets. It was so bad, I had to constantly be telling the people God had a plan. You see, that's the good news. God has always had a plan. Why, that's probably what Michael is leading up to now. I don't know, Isaiah. You were always were the optimist. Of course I was. I still am. Because I've got something to be optimistic about. You tried to tell the people how to live close to God. You, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and Daniel. But they didn't listen to you guys either. You would have to remind us. Okay, Moses, I'll have to admit it. Even though we were the major leaguers, we struck out too. Well, as you can see, God used Moses, the major prophets, and the minor prophets to tell the people how to live close to God. But none of them succeeded. And the things have gotten so bad that God has decided to put into action the plan of the century. That this announcement demands a fanfare, Gabriel. I am happy to announce that God has decided to go to Earth. What? Surely not. I don't believe it. But God hasn't lived on Earth since creation. That's right. Don't you remember? Everything was beautiful on Earth. Man felt so close to God. God walked with Adam and Eve in the cool of the evening. There was no sin, no death, just peace and happiness. Aww. Then, that old stinker, Lucifer, <laughs> he decided he had to be as powerful as God. So, of course, God had no choice but to kick him and his whole rotten crew out of heaven. Yay! And things have been fine here ever since. Well, of course they have, but that wasn't the end of Lucifer. Boo! Since he went to Earth, things have gone from good to bad to worse. Sure, but everyone knows the devil's going to get it in the end. Yay! Of course he will, but in the meantime, God's got to find a way to be close to man again. We understand that, Michael, but does he actually have to go down to Earth and live among them? Yeah, why would he want to do that? Why, why, why? 
Why would he leave a place where angels fly to live where men walk to and fro? Leave the glorious by and by to live someplace that's just so-so? Why would he leave a throne up in the sky to live on sinful earth below? Leave the hallelujah guys to live among such plainly folks? Why in heaven would God want to go to earth is a question that just bugs me. I know, I know. It doesn't make sense to us. But there's a good reason why God would make such a great sacrifice. Why? Because God loves man. Well, of course, God loves everyone. Wait a minute, wait a minute. I can see how God loves us. We're perfect angels. But how can he love a people who are, well, you know, let's face it, so <laughs> sinful? Like I said, it doesn't make sense to us, but the fact is, God loves people not for what they are, but for what they can be. Well, all I can say is, that must be the best kind of love there is. Tell us, Michael, how's he going to get to Earth? What's he going to be? What'll he go as? Well, you're not going to believe this, but I was so excited I forgot to ask. Wait a minute, I'll be right back. Just imagine all the ways God could go to Earth. Yeah, God's got the power to do anything. I wonder how he'll go. Well, it's certain you can never predict exactly what God has in mind, but it wouldn't hurt to try. If it were up to me, I think he should go as a kind of a great hero, someone everyone would know. He would be the greatest of all time, the one and only of a kind. Some folks would stand in line to see. Here's my idea. If it were up to me, he'd be a mighty king. Then he would own everything, and his praises men would sing. He'd be the richest man around. People would be falling on the ground, waiting just to kiss the ground. Hmm, let me think. If it were me, he'd be the soldier of Judah, the leader of his men. He'd win every batter just like Gideon. He'd free all the people when he marched into Rome. He'd lead a big battalion upon a white, snow-white stallion. The soldier of Judah, that's how he should go. This is my idea. He'd be a famous man more well-known than Abraham, a household word across the land. He would be the star of every stage, the performer of the age. It's for sure he'd be the rage you see, if it were up to me. Let's see, he'd be the greatest musician in the world has ever seen. He'd play the Colosseum and all the fans would scream. He'd all, they'd all come to see him from Crete to Jericho. He'd set the world on fire when he plays his lyre, the greatest musician. That's how he should go. Look, it's Michael. So how's he going to go to Earth? What's he going to be? What'll he go as? Will he be a mighty warrior? Will he be a famous musician? No, 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 nothing like that. Then how? God's going to Earth as a baby. A, a baby? <laughs> a baby? There's nothing special about a baby. Yeah, why would, why would he want to go as a baby? He has a very good reason. You see, for centuries, God has tried to accomplish something that he hasn't since creation. And the only way he can do it is to become a baby and live among men so that they can feel close to him. Oh, Michael, I feel close to him already, and he hasn't even been born yet. That's just how he planned it. God knew that if he went to earth as someone important in the eyes of the world, a lot of people would feel they could never be close to him or approach him, never ever be close to him. Then a baby is a wonderful idea. Michael, what will his name be? That's the best part. His name will be Jesus. That means savior because he will save his people from dying from their sins. In that case, everyone will want to come to him. No, I'm afraid. Everyone won't come to him. But why? Well, that's the old eye trouble again. Some people have it so bad, they're blinded to the fact that being close to Jesus is the best place to be. Is there any cure for them? Oh, there certainly is. All they have to do is take their eyes off themselves and look to Jesus to be their savior. Well, Isaiah, you were right all along. God does have a plan. Yes, Moses. And isn't it a beautiful plan? And just think, we get to celebrate his birth with the angels, all of us prophets, part of the heavenly host, 
praising God and singing, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace and goodwill to all men. What a great service so far. How do you follow that? Paul, I feel sorry for you. That's going to be tough. <laughs> Join me in prayer this morning. Father, God, we thank you. We thank you so much for the blessings you've given us. We thank you so much for your love for us. The answer to the question, why? Why would you come down to be one of us? We are reminded of that fact, that blessing, that gift at this time of the year. We thank you, Lord, for Dr. Agama and his wife, June, for sharing with us this morning their work and their ministry in Ghana. We thank you, Lord, that you let us be a part of that. And we ask that you bless their work and their lives. Thank you for the report we've gotten from Edna's sister that Judy's improving. We think of Rose this week on Thursday, the surgery that she's facing. How would we feel if that was us this week? We ask, Lord, to guide the doctor's hands, be with that situation, bless her. Lord, we thank you now for our missionaries. This is a giving church. This is a praying church. And we know the power of prayer. And we know how you work, Lord. How Adim said that this morning. We are small people, but you are a big God. And you do big things. Thank you, Lord, for this church, this church on the hill. Let it be a light to others and encourage each other. We ask that you bless Paul as he brings your word to us, and we thank you for all good blessings, and we ask this in the name of Jesus, the Chosen One, the Lamb of God. Amen. Thank you for having my wife Connie and me back. I feel sorry for me too. I, uh, I have a vested interest in your budget meeting this evening. Um, just before I got up to uh, speak, um, I broke your expensive headset microphone. All fairness to me, there was a missionary using it uh, just prior to my but it, it snapped, and so Doug Bauer has informed me that I must pay for that, so uh, just call me. Father, we thank you so much for your word. It is light. It is bread sweeter than honey. It is food for our souls. We're starving for a word from you, and... Amos said the people were starving for a lack of a word from you. So speak to us, we would pray from your word this morning. May your spirit have the freedom to do what he would choose to do. May you work and transform our hearts and minds to be more and more like Jesus May we be willing to be a people who are indeed a light on a hill, who are salt uh, to our neighbors, who are used of you in 
Springfield and Champaign and Ghana and Cisna Park. May you be honored in what we do in the remainder of this service. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Um, before we went to Yellowstone, uh, so since the mic is broken, I'm going to try to stay put. I'm not very good at that, but I, I will try to behave. Um, we went to Yellowstone in September, uh, and just before we left, I read five books on Yellowstone. I wanted to acquaint myself with as much as I could about Yellowstone before we went. One of the books that I read was Death in Yellowstone, All the Ways People Die in Yellowstone and Have for Years. It was a fascinating book, a little dark, but a fascinating book. And one of the ways that people die in Yellowstone, which was intriguing to me, is people are killed by buffalo. When you go out to Yellowstone, if you've been there, you know what I mean. If you go to Buffalo, to Yellowstone, the buffalo, especially in the Lamar Valley, are right there, they're accessible. They look like cattle, they look docile and calm, and people get out of their cars now with their phones or their iPads to take photographs of them, and it has entered into the minds of some people that some of the best photographs that you could put on Facebook or Instagram would be photographs of your loved ones even sitting on the buffalo. Well, the folks at Yellowstone have warned people over and over again that these are wild animals. They weigh over a ton. They can run 35 miles an hour. They're not to be messed with, but we're Americans, and we don't like being told what to do. And over and over again, we even witnessed it, people trying to get as close as they can. It didn't look like a threat, but they were. Why would the most powerful man in the world worry about a baby? Babies seem so docile. They seem to be so non-threatening to us. Why would one of the most powerful men in the world be worried about a baby? Matthew chapter number 2. Please, if you'll turn there, Matthew chapter number 2. We're thinking about divine interruptions as we think about the coming of Jesus, Advent, Interruptions are part of our lives. A call from a long-lost friend can be a wonderful interruption. The flu, a word from our doctor, we have cancer. Those are the kinds of interruptions that are difficult and hard. Babies can be interruptions. We were so shocked when at 42, the doctor, Greg DeLoss, looked across the table at my wife and says, Connie, congratulations, you're pregnant. Baby born on her 43rd birthday. Babies, if you never had one and you have your first now, there are interruptions then and there'll be interruptions the rest of your lives. That's the way it works. Matthew writes this glorious book, Matthew, who loves Jesus because Jesus first loved him and summoned him to be a follower of his. And Matthew of all people, a surprising individual. Who would ever think Matthew, Matthew, to become a follower of Christ? Matthew, who uh, associated with some of the most disliked people of his day. Matthew, seen as a traitor, a betrayer of his own people. Uh, Matthew, a collaborator with the Romans who enriched himself off the backs of his own neighbors. Matthew, come and follow me. I'm going to change your life. And Matthew never got over it. Matthew never got over the grace of God in his life. And he writes this book, and he, he wants the focus to be Jesus. Everybody else is a supporting character in the Gospel of Matthew. It's all about Jesus, who he is, why he's come. And in Matthew chapter number 2, he describes that divine interruption, that surprising interruption of the coming of Jesus, God incarnate, God coming not as a king, but as a baby. Matthew chapter number 2, verse 1, now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, Behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who is born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, 
and we have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled. And when Herod was troubled, all Jerusalem was troubled with him. And assembling all the chief priests and the scribes of the people, Herod inquired of them, where was this Messiah, Christ? Where was he to be born? They told him in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, and you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time this star had appeared, and he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, You go and search diligently for the child, and when you've found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy, and going into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. And when they departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Rise, take the child and his mother, and flee to Egypt, and remain there until I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. And he rose and he took the child and his mother by night and he departed to Egypt and they remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by his prophet. Out of Egypt I have called my son. Then Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, became furious and he sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem. And in all that region who were two years old or under, according to the time that he ascertained from the wise men, then was fulfilled what was spoken by the prophet Jeremiah. A voice was heard in Ramah, weeping and loud lamentation, Rachel weeping for her children. She refused to be comforted because they were no more. A couple of Brief things, just before I lift, just a few principles briefly out of the text. Just a little bit about the setting, the place. Where did this happen, this story, this amazing story that Matthew records for us? Where is it? What are the significant places? The first one he talks about is Jerusalem, the, the capital city, the city of David. That's where you would think Jesus would show up. I mean, if Jesus were to show up today, surely he wouldn't come to Cisna Park. Right, wouldn't you expect Chicago, the real capital of Illinois, or Springfield? That's where you would think Jesus would show up, or Washington, D.C., someplace that we, or at least the world, would consider important and significant. Herod the Great, he's the man that moves and shakes the world. He's the man with authority and power. He's the king appointed by the Romans. You would think he would show up at his doorstep. Then there's Bethlehem, means the um, granary, uh, the house of bread. Significant metaphor. Jesus would describe himself, you know, in John, he's always talking about who he was. I am, I am, I am. I'm the bread. <laughs> Eat. You'll never hunger again. The house of bread, Bethlehem, that's the place. Unexpected, you know, it's, it's, it's a strange story how he ended up there to be born, was it not? You know, registration, the Romans wanted to know who the people were so they could tax them, levy, uh, get more money. Romans would gave the uh, people that they conquered great liberties as long as they submitted to them and didn't cause them problems, and they would benefit them as long as they paid their taxes. And they tax you on everything. The tractor, the axle, 
the wagon the tractor pulled, the goods that were in the wagon that the tractor pulled, the road that the tractor, the bridge that the tractor crossed, everything. And Matthew pulled all that money, and any amount of money he could get over those excise taxes were his own. And so you would think that is the place, and this is all the moving and shaking that's going on. People are upset. They're having to move around to go register to be taxed, and God providentially, sovereignly orchestrates those circumstances. So it just so happens that Jesus is born where the prophet would say he would be born in Bethlehem. The people, of course, there's Jesus, the baby, the central person in the story, back all the way in the garden at the fall of man, uh, there's going to be a serpent. He shows up. He's going to, uh, he's going to be conquered, though. Genesis chapter number 3. He's going to be crushed. The promise is already coming. Abraham, come out and look at all the stars. All the stars. You must be able to see a lot of stars if you live near Sista Park. You're out kind of in the middle of nowhere. and you, you step out and you look at all the stars. Abraham, look at all the stars because out of you, all the world will be what? Blessed. <laughs> I'm promising you, out of you, all the world, even the people of Cisna Park will be blessed out of your loins because out of you will come the promised one. Moses, the one who will fulfill the law when man could not keep the law, could not, could not. This God's people just one failure. You read the Old Testament, it's just failure after failure. God shows them grace, and they do well, and then they fail and fail, but one is coming who will in every sense of the word fulfill the law. The dwelling of God is with men. He did not send an emissary. He came himself, Jesus. They're the wise men. Most of what we think we know about them we get from a song, We Three Kings of Orient Are, Bearing Gifts We've Traversed So Far. We don't know how many king, uh, wise men there were. Were there three? Maybe. We go three because they were the three gifts. They weren't kings. They were astrologers and astronomers, a weird hybrid mix of people. God obviously condemns astrology, but these probably Persians came and I think in part because the scripture says that in the book of, I was looking at the clock, it's sideways. So I, according to the clock, I've got 45 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> the scripture says, the scripture says in the book of Revelation, what kind of people are going to be around the throne of Jesus praising him? Is it just going to be white middle class Americans? They're going to be people from where? Ghana. Are they going to be talking English? I don't, I, I tend to think not. People from every tribe and tongue and nation, Persians even, <laughs> coming to yield at the throne of Jesus. There's all kinds of Old Testament prophecies about the Magi and the star. We won't take the time to go through all those people who are called Magi that don't include these people. And the promise, even in the book of Numbers, of a star that will rise out of Jacob. And Matthew uses that same, the Greek, the Old Testament, the Septuagint, use that same idea, that same Greek word about the star rising. None of these things happen by accident. Then there's Herod the Great. Different Herod than the one Jesus deals with. You know, Jesus is always having a confrontation with Herod. Not this Herod. This is Herod the Great. He's dead by the time Jesus is an adult. The one Herod Antipas is this Herod's son. Which is a bit of a miracle for him to survive. One of Herod's contemporaries said, Better to be Herod's pig than his son. Why would he say such a horrible thing about Herod? Because he killed his sons. Why would he kill his own sons? Because they proved to be what? Threats to his kingdom. Herod was a great man in so many ways. Things that he built, things that he did. He was visionary. He was energetic. He was a savvy politician. 
The Jews were hard to rule, and Herod was able to do it. He was a lover of the arts, the lover of sports, but he built and he built and he built massive buildings. If you've ever been to Israel, you have seen some of Herod's work. <laughs> if you've ever, ever been down to Masada, you stood on top of something that Herod built. He built buildings everywhere. But he was a wicked man, married to ten women, had his favorite wife murdered because he thought she may become unfaithful to him. Not that she was, but she possibly could. Three sons put to death. When a group of Jewish men tore down a Roman eagle, Herod wasn't very smart. He had a Roman eagle put up in the temple area. He burned them all alive. At his burial, he had all of his diamonds and jewels on display, his gold crown, his scepter, 500 personal servants, the army, his family. They had to carry his body 25 miles, carry his body 25 miles to be buried. And he had all of these Jewish leaders arrested, and they were to be put to death on the day of his death. Why would he do that? So all of Israel would do what? Mourn, because what would they do otherwise when they heard that Herod was dead? Celebrate. So when the wise men came and told Herod they were searching for the king of the Jews, Herod took that threat seriously. Herod understand the way kingdoms on earth work and how they're built. They're built by the powerful, the dominant, who rule and reign. And he would not tolerate anyone who was going to be a threat to his kingdom. Three things about Herod, very briefly. Number one, Herod took Jesus seriously. I don't mean Herod became a believer. No, no, no. Herod, Herod uh, sought to exterminate Jesus. Um, Herod obviously lied to the wise men. He had no intent to worship this one. Uh, it's interesting that the wise men said that this one who was born, he was born as the king of the Jews, not he was born to become king of the Jews. He was already king of the Jews at his birth. But when Herod heard about this Jesus, he did take him seriously. In a wonderful little book, there's a guy named Craig Gay. He wrote this. There's an assumption that even if God exists today, he is largely irrelevant to the real business of life. Contemporary society and culture so emphasize human potential and human agency and the immediate practical exegesis of the here and now that we are for the most part tempted to go about our daily business in the world without giving God much thought. We are tempted to live, even as followers of Christ, as though God did not exist, or at least as if his existence does not practically matter. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our... We don't believe that. We go to Aldi's, and we got dozens of, and dozens of, I guess, I, I just, that's kind of a a lie because I don't ever go to Aldi's. I hate shopping. My wife hates me shopping. I'm bad at it. And so when Connie goes to Aldi's, there's all of this bread that we can buy. We don't need the Lord to provide us our daily bread. If you say you take the Lord seriously, if I say we take the Lord seriously, I think there are two quick measurements we can use to see if that's true. Tell me about your prayer life and tell me how grateful you are to the Lord. Tell me about your prayer life and tell me how grateful you are to the Lord. That is an indication of just how serious we take Jesus. Let us be done. When I was growing up, Jesus is just all, wasn't that the all, my brothers? I know y'all are more spiritual than to listen to music like that. When I became a, when I became a teenager, I loved John Denver. And I, now that I'm 66 years old, I can say it. I love the group called Bread. I wouldn't admit that when I was in high school, but I loved bread, and I burned all my albums, burned all my eight-track tapes, because I thought listening to that kind of music was ungodly, and maybe it was for me when I was in high school. But 
when you listen to that song. Jesus is just all right. Oh, yeah, Jesus is just all right. And we live with a culture that says, hey, Jesus is just all right. But I'm here to say Jesus will not accept that. <laughs> Herod took him seriously. Number two, Herod needs Jesus, but he rejected him. Died a miserable, horrible death. The scripture records that. Josephus records that. Herod refused to yield to Jesus as he is, and so since he cannot yield to him as he is, he seeks to eliminate him. Jesus is a threat to so much that Herod loves and values and worships. Jesus is a threat to every power that rejects his kingdom. Jesus is a threat to the demonic and the darkness that keeps men in captivity to sin. Jesus is a threat to our idols. We, we have them. Popularity, money, uh, being a little better than the neighbors, envy, all those things. Jesus comes and is a threat to those things, and rather than yield to him, Herod rejects him, and we have that choice. Will we yield or will we reject? Finally, Herod knew his kingdom was so much different than Jesus' kingdom. Man has his own version of the way things ought to be, and, and we get caught up, and, and it, it impresses itself upon us in our, in our worldview, how we think, right? how we... Uh, well, Jesus says, hey, hey, if, if you really want to know where a man's heart is, he's always saying shocking things. If you really want to know where a man's heart is, look at where he, what? Look at this credit card bill. Look at this debit card record. Used to, I would have said, where he spends his cash, but we don't carry cash. My children, my adult children, carry no cash. I say, how can you live without cash? Jesus says, where man's money is, that's where his heart is. We have our own idols. Jesus' kingdom was different than Herod's kingdom. Herod lived by the sword. Jesus lives by the cross. He had to rebuke his own disciples and said, look, don't live and think you can function. Remember, there, Jesus is going to die, and his disciples are arguing about who is the what? I'm the greatest. Herod builds his kingdom on his own ego. Jesus builds his kingdom on his grace. Herod exalts himself. Jesus was exalted by his father. Herod demanded to be served. Jesus came, Mark 10, 45, to serve and give his life as a ransom for the many. Herod, his kingdom was about domination and exploitation. Jesus came to seek and to save that which is lost. Whose kingdom will we live in? Three Things. Number one, God's interruption is that of hope. Jesus has come. He comes to offer real, viable, powerful, life-changing, life-energizing hope. <laughs> hope that can't be found in your job. Hope that cannot be found in winning American Idol. Hope that cannot be found in a great marriage even. All those things, great but there is a hope that transcends all things that can only ultimately and finally be found in Jesus. I am so looking forward to when Christ comes and there are no more funerals. Hope. Conflict, I hate to use a word. I, I hesitated. I tried to think of it. I'm not smart enough to think of a better word. And I hate to use a word because I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, there are too many angry Christians around these days. Too many saints who are spilling their gall and spleen and are angry and hateful and mean-spirited. Where in the world is the love of Christ? How do we expect lost people to live? They don't know Jesus, all bets are off.
But there is a conflict between worldviews. And we are in it. <laughs> and people start wringing their hands. I hear people, all the people in Illinois are moving to Tennessee. My dad grew up in Tennessee, southern Tennessee, south central Tennessee. I can tell you right now, all the people in Tennessee want you to stay right here in Illinois. They don't want you down there. You stay here. <laughs> They're trying to flee. They're trying to flee. They're trying to flee. This is the time and place God has called it. There could not be a better time to love Jesus than right now. You say, the world's a terrible place. The opportunities are abounding for the gospel. Don't leave Illinois. Be salt and light in Illinois. But there is conflict. Finally, there's grace. Jesus was perceived by Herod to be a threat, but to those who know him, we discover him to be a friend, a redeemer, a savior. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, when Jesus showed up, it so upset Herod to the point he was willing to put to death children, evil, The world's no different, Father. Jesus comes and he said it. Jesus said it. He didn't come to bring peace, but a sword. He comes and he divides families. And people get upset about Jesus when they take his word seriously and they take his truth seriously. There's a make-believe Jesus there's no threat to anyone, but there's a Jesus of the Gospels, the Jesus of your word. He comes and he says to us, take up your cross, die to yourself, follow me. He says, first shall be last. He calls us to love the unlovely and to give our lives in service, wherever we may be, whether it's in Cisna Park, whether it's in Ghana, wherever it may be, to yield our lives to his services and his plans and his purposes to be used of him. Help us to take him seriously. And at this Christmas, to know him and to love him and to freshly yield our lives over to him. Thank you for this place. May you use these folks as you have in the past, in the days, months, weeks, years to come, to your name's honor and glory, we would ask in Jesus' name. We're going to sing 578 in the hymn book. It's been a wonderful morning, very encouraging, very strengthening. And may we take the message that we just heard and ask the Savior who we've been lifting up today to be a shepherd to us as we go out these doors in this Christmas season. Let's stand and sing together, Savior, like a shepherd, lead us. 578 if you need the hymn book. Savior, like a shepherd, lead us. Much we need thy tender care. In thy pleasant pastures feed us. For our use thy folds prepare. Blessed Jesus, blessed Jesus. Thou hast bought us thine we are. Blessed Jesus, blessed Jesus, thou hast bought us thine we are. We are thine, do thou be friend us, be the guardian of our 
Blessed Jesus, blessed Jesus, hear, oh, hear us when we pray. Blessed Jesus, blessed Jesus, hear, oh, hear us when we pray. Amen. Thank you. You are dismissed.